Yeah, that's basically Dutch television is either Maarten van Rossum or Angela de Jong. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, basically that. <laughs> It's Friday, April 29th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Schiermonnik Oog Politics Watcher. With me today is Gordon Derrick, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Titanic Foundation Failure. <laughs> uh, this, this is a very cryptic one, I think. Uh, uh, I think they're both quite cryptic. Um, to be honest, but uh, yeah, uh, shall I go first? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. This is all to do with um, the shiny new arts or arts and culture center in the Hague, uh, the Amare, which is this new kind of uh, I don't know. It looks like sort of a shopping mall designed by Gaudi during uh, after he contracted long COVID, I guess, or something like that. So it's, <laughs> it's like it's like um, uh, if you order the Doge Palace in uh, the Palazzo Ducale in Venice <laughs> on. Uh, uh, on AliExpress, on you get yeah. this. Yeah, 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 basically. But um, in the Amari Palace, which has been very controversial, it's gone way, like like all of these um, civic public building projects. It's taken ages to build. It's gone way over budget. It was supposed to cost 180 million euros. It ended up costing 225. It's going to be a public inquiry. But this week, um, the latest setback was um, a set uh, a downward setback because it turns out the building is sinking. <laughs> um, it literally is sinking. I mean, yeah. um, The Hague famously has has two, um, you know, areas. You have the the the, the sand where yeah. uh, you know the rich people lived with uh, big houses. With uh, you know, it, it offered a good foundation, so all the city palaces and all the the nice buildings are built on the sand. Mm. And then you have the uh, the parts of the city where, uh, uh, yeah, the, the 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 lower classes lived yeah. uh, on on vein, which is it's What's that in English? Peat? Yeah, yeah so very peaty soft, soil. Yeah, peaty yeah. soil, very yeah. soft soil. So yeah, yeah. bad foundations, so yes. bad quality houses. Um, do we think this cultural palace is built on the wrong side of the city? Uh, on the wrong side of the divide. It probably, I guess it probably is. Yeah. Yeah, and even yeah. also this this division in soil type um, yeah. also reflects in, uh, for example, local elections, right? Yes. Um, exactly. um, yeah, 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 yeah. The people yeah. on the who live on the sand f- tend to vote for you know the progressive parties or favorite day, and the people who live on 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 the peaty soils they they tend to vote for yeah populist parties yeah, it's, uh, for, for Wilders or Richard de Moss uh, yeah or Rita Verdonk yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of weird you get exactly the same distinction in Drenthe as well you get uh, you get sand villages and, and peat villages yeah, and it's, so. again it's the same thing that uh, people who live on the peat tend to be uh, much poorer and have lower social status than people who live on the sand yeah but, uh, yeah but yeah, yeah but obviously in The Hague it's very striking and that's why you have such a strong contrast between neighbourhoods even when they're right next door to each other yeah, it's Didn't really have... fascinating, yeah. But this yeah. building, this cultural palace, uh, as you said, it went well over budget. I think it's... Yeah. Uh, it, uh, how much did it cost? I think 225 million it's got up to now. And I'm not oh, sure so they've twice, twice a sewer deal. Yeah, exactly. Two boxy or two deliveries of sewered face masks and about as much use. 
That, yeah, um, yeah <laughs> about about equally reliable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does. Does if you put it this way, it does sound cheap, right? To see with deals. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's uh, it it doesn't sound that uh, that expensive at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Steve would agree. But what what they've discovered uh, this this week is that uh, it was built um, partly because I think of the wor- worries about the foundations. They actually constructed it as five separate buildings all yeah. in one complex and they each had their own foundations but it now turns out that two of the buildings have started to sink into the soil which uh, you know there's i don't know you, you don't need me to tell you is something that quite often happens when you build a building it just settles afterwards but two of the buildings have settled and the others haven't so they're now all on different levels and they yeah. can't shut the doors in the building yeah so yeah, but they found a temporary the, solution, and that was remove the carpet. Just to cut out part of the flooring, yeah, to, 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 just to remove the carpet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's another um, yeah failed uh, 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 civic building story. Yeah. Uh, despite the budget overrun, uh, yeah, it wasn't well built at all. No. Um, but it yeah. at least gives us something to talk about. Yeah, but the director of Murray said it's fine. It's only sunk a couple of millimeters, even though they can't shut the doors anymore, which. Sounds to me like it's more than a millimeter or two, but anyway, they're now yeah. going to opposition parties now say so they want to have a, yeah, you know, chuck this into the uh, into the inquiry as well, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. But for the moment, uh, yeah, the, the the music school, the the Royal Conservatorium, the Conservatoire, and uh, and the concert hall have uh, have, have, have are going. Uh, uh, are, yeah, are, um, the music school, the Royal Conservatoire, and um, the concert hall are kind of uh, sinking into the into the peat. Speaking of things that are. Uh, yeah, sinking. So, <laughs> so yeah, things that they're not they're not sinking, or well, no. I, I guess it was more, more drifting in this case. Yeah, drifting. On, yeah. Uh, what, what's going on in the in, in the tiny, tidy, incestuous world of uh, island politics? Yeah, I, I haven't. Uh, you mean Brexit or? Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess this could be almost small-scale Brexit. Yeah, it really is. No, yeah, yeah I never realized this, but Schiermonnik Oog, it's, it's, I think it's literally the, the smallest municipality we have in the Netherlands, right? It's, uh, it has less than a thousand uh, uh, inhabitants. And mm. uh, I just read a, an article in, in, in the Volkskrant, um, which uh, yeah, literally was an eye-opener. I, I never thought, I always assumed that politics on the island would be yeah. very boring. But yeah, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's, it's uh, to the contrary contrary actually it's yeah. it's very very exciting um yeah. <laughs> it, it, is, is is it a gray monk's eye opener then on Monaco? <laughs> It's a schiermonnik oog eye opener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good one. Um, yeah, it it turns out that uh, schiermonnik oog has three uh, political parties in uh, on the on the on the city council. Mm. Uh, only local parties. They all bear the literally almost almost the same name, right? Samen schiermonnik oog, ons schiermonnik oog, samen is ons. That 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 kind of things. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that all these parties hate each other. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, there is no the the, the formation is um, uh, sort of came to a halt. Yeah. But they're not like sending out like poison pen letters uh, anonymously or something like that. It's anonymous anonymous briefing or something. A, a, a briefjes affaire. That's what it's called. Yes, someone an anonymous person uh, threw a, a a letter with with something written on it. Uh, I wasn't entirely yeah. sure what it was uh, in the letterbox of of one of the uh, party leaders. Um, and the, the, also, all these three party leaders, they all own. Uh, hotels, which I assume yeah. would also, you know, th- they are literally competitors of each other. So that would mm. also mean uh, uh, they don't like each other, I I, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's only 
942 people living on that island so everyone knows each other everyone <laughs> uh, uh, you know it's it's a really tiny village and yeah that doesn't help in 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 the politics as well i think because everyone knows each other everyone has an opinion about each other yeah. uh, there was also um there were also anonymous uh, Facebook messages posted, uh, criticizing or, or, or um, uh, rumoring about uh, other party members. So yeah, it's uh, it's a fascinating. Uh, I think we, I think it is a, a political uh, Netflix series in the make here. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is kind of the the the, the Binnerhof in microcosm. Yeah, because because I mean, yeah. So there's one political party per, per 300 people, which is we're kind yeah. of heading that way in the in the rest of the country as well. Aren't we? This is <laughs> this is the future. I think. Yeah. This is the future yeah this is the future uh, uh the liberals want yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So, so um yeah, yeah so it's, it's uh it's more fascinating than we thought and uh yeah we should uh yeah there should definitely be some kind of uh, yeah, some kind of borgen spin-off set on yeah. Monaco. Uh, this is uh, an opportunity a ripe opportunity yeah yeah, but um, the, the op-ed of the week comes from a much larger municipality um, than Schiermonnikoog. Uh, what's uh, what, what's been going on in, uh, in in Amsterdam this week? Yeah, uh, once again, after two years of pandemic, Amsterdam was the uh, epicenter of the King's Day celebration. Uh, we will hear plenty more about the Dutch national uh, podcast. No, the Dutch no. national <laughs> holiday later in the episode. Um, Pre-corona, King's Day in Amsterdam was traditionally accompanied, uh, you know, with images of a sea of orange, hundreds of thousands of people crowded into the narrow streets and the canals full with boats. If you've seen a fi- picture of, of, you know, Amsterdam um, uh, crowded with people wearing orange and, you know, the canals filled, then that picture is probably taken on King's Day. Mm. Um, we all know these uh, these photos, right? Yeah. Um, and often uh, the people who visit the capital aren't sober uh, and to avoid a return to the negative sides of uh, celebrating king's day the municipality had announced a number of limitations uh, for that day uh, people were only allowed to carry a maximum of one item of alcoholic beverage to the city and shops and bars and supermarkets were also allowed to sell only one drink per person and on top of that it was forbidden to sell the drinks chilled <laughs> so yeah they were only allowed to sell one piece yeah. of warm beer yeah um the rules applied from 6 a.m to midnight on wednesday and uh yeah these rules uh, naturally led to uh, surprised and outraged reactions uh, especially on the internet people <laughs> wondered why the municipality was taking away all the fun someone commented that she wasn't sure the rules made her laugh or cry and uh someone also called the city pyongyang an it ei and it's ice, of course. The North Korea of the North. The North Korea of the North. Yeah, it is, of course, the the the. Yeah, I think it's officially a lake where uh, Amsterdam uh, yeah. lays on the eye. Um, the rules didn't prevent people from coming to Amsterdam, though. On several occasions throughout the day, the municipality and the police had to call on people to avoid certain areas because it was simply too full. And AT5 noticed that most people either weren't aware or ignored the one can of beer rule. Yeah. Yeah. And. I realize that this is uh, what I always call a recurring ophef, because this one drink rule is in force since 2012. Right. And every year there is ophef about the rules when the municipality re- 
it's trying to remind us that uh, you know this rule is is in effect. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, know everyone has forgotten about that at that point, and uh, yeah, we get outraged all over again. Yeah, it's one of those classic duck situations, isn't it? Where 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 where, 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 where the, the councils come up with a, a series of uh, completely impractical and unenforceable regulations that everyone then just turns a blind eye to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then it's completely gedoogd uh, exactly, when the day arrives. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, nobody was aware of that, and and if people were aware of it, they simply ignored it, uh, naturally, understandably. Even though I think that uh, supermarkets and shops um, had a harder time to, uh, you know, ignore this rule. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um, uh, uh, it, it's part of the tradition, part of the yeah. King's Day tradition to be uh, yeah. offended and to be outraged uh, <laughs> by this rule. I guess. Yeah, and and for the rule to be enforced, to, to be brought in Not every, every year yeah. and then promptly ignored. Yeah. yeah. People in Amsterdam kind of go on a supermarket crawl. Then they just go from you know <laughs> go from shop to like, go around different branches of Albert Heijn, buying one can of beer in every in every branch. I, mean, how, I, I mean, think how so. How yeah. Do they think that this could possibly be enforceable? You should organize this, Gordon. I think you. Uh, this is the new equivalent <laughs> exactly, of a beer yeah. feat. Yeah. Imagine yeah, trying to yeah, cycle a beer feat through the to the uh, canals of Amsterdam on this day. Yeah. I think you will. You will be promptly thrown into one of the canals. I think <laughs> they have managed to ban the beer feats. Of course, they're also trying now to to, to ban um, uh, tourists from the coffee shops, which yeah. is the uh, latest thing. So, so basically, everything that people, uh, well, certainly British people, used to go to Amsterdam for, has now been banned. So I yeah. just wonder about. We're reaching the point now where you know where, where British tourists are going to turn from Amsterdam and literally have no idea what to do, just <laughs> wander the streets looking very forlorn. Yes. And then, out of desperation, go to see the the, the paintings of Rembrandt in exactly, the museum. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. just out of sheer boredom, they actually have yeah. to go, go into <laughs> a, a gallery or a theatre. <laughs> This week, the Netherlands turned orange in celebration of King Willem-Alexander's birthday. The cabinet decided to send more weapons to Ukraine, while the IVD Secret Service warns that the war is fueling far-right extremism. Good news if you're planning to buy a house. Corona makes a small comeback, at least on this podcast. And Amsterdam Schiphol Airport had a terrible, terrible, awful week. Yeah, and there's more horror to come as well if you're yes. still g- g- hoping to head off on your... Um, uh, May Fakansi school holiday trip. Yeah, it's a holiday horribilis. Uh, it is. Yeah. If it's you a, fl- it's, if yeah, it's a holiday nightmare from hell, <laughs> as, as, as the papers call it. Probably the Telegraaf, mostly. On Wednesday, it was Koningsdag, or King's Day in English, and the Netherlands turned orange in celebration of King Willem-Alexander, who turned 55 this year. The past two editions, all celebrations had to be cancelled due to the pandemic, but this year King's Day was back as if it was never gone. Hundreds of music festivals were organized throughout the country, as well as countless of free markets in practically every city and village. Uh, the Dutch railways said 200,000 people traveled to Amsterdam to celebrate Koningsdag there, um, which was the same same number as before COVID. Yeah. Did you uh, go out to uh, a street market in your neighborhood, Paul? Not at all. Right. No. I, I yeah. never celebrate King's Day. Uh, <laughs> I just stay indoors. Uh, no, that's not true. I went to the city market. I uh, I, I spent half an hour uh, looking at what 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 kind of uh, stalls there were. Um, yeah. But I was I was frightened by the terrible uh, quality of, of of the music. Some children were playing. So uh, yeah, I just <laughs> uh, I I just went home. Uh, 
uh, very soon. Uh, and yeah. I watched also the royal family uh, suffer in uh, in Maastricht on television, which is always <laughs> a highlight. It's a lot more uh, fun, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, definitely yeah, a lot you, more fun. You, you can't win with the music on the street markets because it's either they're, they're either playing terrible techno through speakers, yeah, or or hundred percent an L, or they or, or or it's children playing violins or scratching at violins. Uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. And how did you spend uh, spend the day? Uh, I did go out to a street market that was just around the corner. They didn't have the official street market in, in, in my neighborhood this year. They, they canceled it. But a lot of people still um, went out onto their doorsteps and tried to clear out their attics. Because, of course, people have got three years' worth of stuff in the attic, yeah, right? Exactly, so yeah. So there, yeah. there was a lot of people. There was a, there was a lot more wares to sell, definitely. There are even more, you know, old old DVDs and uh, Donald Duck numbers and, um, <laughs> and, 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 and jigsaw puzzles with pieces missing than, yeah. than we have in previous years yeah especially because so. you know while in lockdown everyone bought these jigsaw puzzles exactly, to, yeah. to try to entertain uh, yourself a little bit uh, yeah. while you were locked away in your house so yeah people had a lot of stuff to to, to sell indeed yeah yeah so it was a real bonanza for people selling but not so much for buyers because the quality of the uh, stuff as you say was, was just as terrible as it usually is um but i, I kind of think uh, street markets are kind of uh, a nice kind of quaint old tradition even though I've never my, my, my son managed to buy a couple of pairs of socks um, socks? And, uh, yeah uh, socks okay and well they were cheap and and uh, were they second hand socks no they, they were new socks or okay. at least they were still in the packaging so <laughs> I don't know where they, I didn't ask where they came from but he, <laughs> okay good he, he has <laughs> there was also a guy on the street just selling teaspoons teaspoons he, just, he, had a, he had a blanket out on the street and all, all he was selling was teaspoons Kind of only, thing, you know, all, only teaspoons. Well, like an ornamental teaspoons, you know, silver oh. teaspoons. You know those teaspoons you get with like a, a, a city crest or something on the end of the spoon. Uh-huh. That kind of collect- yeah. collectible spoons. Okay, but, and but he, else. he and during the pandemic he he had a hobby collecting I teaspoons, and now he had to get rid of buying teaspoons or maybe yeah. stealing them from cafes. Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't Van know if Fog, he actually. A lot of Van der Fog teaspoons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so, 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 so that was, so that was, yeah. So, so, yeah, so that, that, that was how I spent King's Day, and and uh, uh, I hang out the flag as well. So, oh yeah, and I had with to get a new flag. Orange attachment. Because, sorry, with the orange attachment. Not with the orange attachment. No, I'm I'm, I'm not that much of a, uh, of a protocol of, of, of fetishist. A of a full lot tugger, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because uh, official flag protocol says that you should have uh, hanged it with the orange attachment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, in our street, I think we had about six flags out, and only one had the, the oh. orange uh, uh, vimple. So okay, so, okay. Yeah. So p- people are yeah uh, d- drifting away from the monarchy, as as we'll discover in a bit. As later. As we'll but, discover later, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but how did the king celebrate his birthday? Yeah, as I said, uh, he went to Maastricht this year. It's uh, a tradition that the royal family visits a uh, yeah average sized city I guess uh, that's what they do every year and this uh, this time they visited the Limburg capital um, it, that visit was actually scheduled uh, two years ago but you know it had to be postponed twice due to the pandemic um, the king his wife daughters brother and nephew spent uh, two hours or so in the city where they had to endure countless performances demonstrations of local crafts and traditions uh, as well as a quiz on the Maastricht dialect yeah. which they did surprisingly well I have to say well um, um, it's another case that the king actually has a different title in Limburg. I don't think that's the case. No, but you're probably referring oh. to uh, to the commissaris van de koning, the the sort of um, 
yeah. uh, the, the, the yep. person who is at the head of the provincial uh, uh, government in yes. in Limburg it's a governor and that's yeah. the only place where it's a governor yeah no I don't think he has a uh, different All title right. in uh, in uh, I, I I haven't heard about that no they, uh, the royal family was also given a concert by violinist and conductor André Rieu, who I found out was the sixth best-selling artist in the world last year. Can uh, you I think, imagine I think that? the world just needs to have a good, strong talk with itself in that case. Yeah. yeah. No, he's, uh, and, and also his, his, his concerts are always... Uh, if he has a world tour, then, then he has one of the highest uh, uh, um, uh, numbers of attendees. Um, it's it's insane. But ask your grandmother; she will probably know him. Uh, he he performs, of course, a lot of classical music, and his uh, his CDs they uh, they do very well in the um, uh, yeah over eighty <laughs> years yes. uh, demographic. I think <laughs> um, he played on the city central square at Freithof with his orchestra, uh, including a bagpipe player who had a striking resemblance of uh, Rita Verdonk. Uh, <laughs> it was literally her <laughs> doppelganger. It's, yeah, it's amazing. And she was yeah. she was wearing this fairy tale, uh, fairy tale uh, dress, and then this this bagpipe. It made it made the whole scene very bizarre. <laughs> but yeah. she literally was a doppelganger, um, and uh, forty thousand people uh, traveled to Maastricht to line the streets in the hope of getting a selfie with one of the royals. Um, and the king said afterwards that he was glad his birthday could uh, celebrate it again as uh, as usual, and he emphasized how important it is we can celebrate in peace and freedom, referring to the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, good, 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 yeah. So, so good in retrospect that we've uh, hung on to our monarchy and not done what the Russians did with theirs. No, exactly. We must be yeah. relieved about that. <laughs> and, how, yeah, and, how, and how did the rest of the, the, the country celebrate? We've already mentioned the free markets. Yeah, we already mentioned the free markets and there is a special, you know, there are some rules about the, the, the free markets. You have to claim your spot days in advance if you want mm. a, a nice spot, right? If you have walked uh, through a city center uh, in the past week, then you've seen with chalk written, uh, you know, marked this place and written Bazette on it, for example, yeah. or a name. Um, that not a guarantee that someone will steal your place, though, as uh, a lot of people will have experienced um, on Wednesday. Uh, and also... That's the interesting thing about our national holiday. Um, there are you don't have to pay any taxes on that day. Yes, um, which makes it very yeah unique very, very in the world. I think people, yeah. yeah, and it really um, uh, 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 th that's what the free market comes from, right? You don't have to pay taxes, so that's the day you're going to sell everything you can in order to make as much money yeah. as possible. Um, and people sell, as you already said, the, all the junk from their attic. Um, they had a lot of uh, a lot of junk to sell this year because of uh, three years of pandemic, of course. Yeah. Um, and also, children try to uh, uh, earn some money by performing, uh, playing on their instruments, for example. Um, and w what I liked was that you have seen um, quite a number of Putin boxing balls popping up all over yeah. the country. Um, you so could, so uh, how do the Putin punch bags work exactly? Yeah, they had just a photo of, of, of Vladimir Putin <laughs> taped on, on, on the on the punching bag. And if you paid uh, a euro or in some cases even five euros, I saw then uh, you could give it a nice punch or yeah. uh, for, for, for a minute or so. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a very easy way to, to earn money. And I think even um, if... Uh, uh, I should have come up with this idea uh, before, but I would ha I would place three 
punching bags, one with the face of Vladimir Putin, one of Siewert van Linde, and one with Hugo de Jonge. <laughs> and I think uh, I, 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 I would, would have become a millionaire then. Yeah, I'm curious to see, yeah, I'd be curious to know which of those three would, uh, would, would generate the most income for you. Yeah, yeah. it was a nice, least. nice survey, uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure as well that people, uh, um, yeah, people have, nego- sorry, I'm sure that people have, would have negotiated as well, saying, that, look, can I, can I can have three, can I pay three? Two euros to get three hits on Putin. Yeah. I also saw a picture of somebody who had uh, U- Ukrainian flags up for sale for like oh. 10 euros a piece. So you, wow. you can see the, 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 the Feo same mentality is alive and well. <laughs> I think uh, young really Peter Bothenender would be very pleased with this scene. Yeah, indeed. And um, <laughs> if, you, if you walk around in Amsterdam tomorrow, that's April 30th, don't be surprised to see a bunch of tourists uh, dressed up in orange uh, stepping out of the Amsterdam Central, uh, yeah. Central Station. Yeah. Clutching 10-year-old um, then- Bidecker guides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you can you can laugh at them because you know they have outdated uh, lonely planets and stuff like that. <laughs> because uh, it used to be the case that uh, coding in the dark Queen's Day, when Beatrix was still queen, uh, that was celebrated on April thirtieth, so a couple of days later. Yeah, we call them uh, these people vergistourist, which is one of my favorite uh, words in, in in the Dutch language. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you guess the numbers should be dwindling by now. Uh, I think during Corona, obviously, because there was no King's Day at all. Um, that, yeah, uh, and and and, and and after ten years, people tend to uh, update their lowly planets. Of course, uh, yeah. the the old issues they uh, uh, <laughs> that w- that would be ironic, right? If you if you bought a outdated lonely planet on King's Day, but the, but there's less to celebrate. But there's not so much to celebrate for the king this year, uh, according to a couple of opinion polls, uh, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. The NOS traditionally carries out a survey on the popularity of the royal family, and the results must have been a blow for them, because according to uh, to the NOS, only 47% of the people in the Netherlands have confidence in the way the king does his job. The pandemic has been damning for the royals, following a string of blunders. Uh, remember the king and family. Uh, the king remembered the king and his family went on holiday, while the rest of the country was urged to stay uh, here. Uh, they were also spotted without wearing face masks uh, uh, on several occasions, and Princess Amalia celebrated her 18th birthday with hundreds of guests ju- during a lockdown. Yeah. Um, well, so was, yeah. was, was she ambushed by cake like Boris Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> she must have been, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, these, these incidents uh, uh, um, uh, had an effect on, on the king's popularity uh, because before the pandemic, the king's approval rate was 75%. And this is the first time that the approval has dropped below 50%. Uh, and despite the criticism, 58% still support the monarchy as a constitu- as a institution. Um, despite the criticism, 58% still support the monarchy as an institution. Uh, but that's also an all-time low. And the Dutch gave the king a personal score of 6.7 out of 10. And Queen Maxima scored a 7.8. Uh, She's the most popular member of the royal family. Yeah, yeah, as always. Yes. So, uh, yeah, the royal family has uh, a lot of work to do to regain their their popularity. Uh, But at least in Maastricht, uh, yeah, they will... uh uh, their popularity will be rising because that's uh, that's what visits of them to cities have as an effect. So yeah, yeah, yeah they, they become more popular in the locality. Yeah, there, there was also um, yeah one of the political parties though suggested that they, they they should reinstate the the king's traditional title in Limburg of of Duke of Limburg because he is technically when he's in Limburg. Um, oh. Yeah. 
he's a duke rather than a king but this is kind of uh, can you guess which party has come up with this absurd uh, uh, focus group driven uh, suggestion was it the PPV? No, try try again. Form for Democracy? No, but this is a party that's been in the news a lot for, for ridiculous focus group uh, ideas, throwing out a lot of ridiculous focus group ideas. No, please help me. It was, it was a CDR. Really? Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they have these, these sort of weird uh, nationalist uh, testing balloons, uh, 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 yeah. which they well, often well, try, right? Uh, last week they were in the news uh, for, for, for trying to ban children from McDonald's, remember, or trying to ban oh, fast yeah. foods for under 18s. So they, they just seem to be on a run of. Uh, of, 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 of testing slightly wild uh, outre ideas, but this was the youth uh, division of the CDR. They suggested that, um, uh, it was, it was, to be fair, you know, they weren't uh, making a big deal of it. They were just suggesting that uh, it would be a way of making the royal family more relevant by hmm. reminding the Limburgers that they're not really part of the kingdom of the Netherlands. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, rather a separate, uh, yeah. He also has the titles of uh, Graf von Buren and Freiherr yeah. von Ameland. So. Yeah, 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 that's right. But that's yeah. why, uh, do you know what uh, Willem Alexander's uh, pseudonym is? Uh, for Prince Bills. No, yeah, no, that's his nickname. <laughs> but whenever <laughs> he tries to be incognito, he, he calls himself Alex van Buren. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, that was the name he used when he uh, did the Elfstedentocht, uh, yeah. for example. Uh, that's that's how we know, and I think that's also the name he uses when he is um, I think when he's flying, flying a plane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Do, does he have other weird titles? Yeah, I mean, whenever you call, whenever someone abroad comes here and they find out that we have a, a royal family. Uh, is the House of Orange? Yeah. Uh, they, it always raises some eyebrows, of course, because uh, yeah, we people think it's a fruit, but it's also yeah. a, a a city in in the south of France, and that's where the name comes from. These yes. two names are completely unrelated, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a yeah. strange coincidence. It's a strange coincidence, yeah, but it's why all the orange color and the yeah references yeah. to orange come into the Dutch culture. Yeah. And to the Irish culture, but that's a different story. But that, that's a whole different uh, yeah viper's nest that we shouldn't get into. <laughs> <laughs> The Netherlands is sending an unspecified number of howitzers to Ukraine as NATO countries step up their efforts to help repel the Russian invasion. The German-made anti-tank weapons are the heaviest artillery the Dutch have sent to Ukraine so far. Uh, the Germans are going to train the Ukrainians on how to actually use them uh, and supply the ammunition. Uh, the Dutch military haven't said exactly how many howitzers they're sending, but uh, they only have 54, so it's not going to be an enormous number. <laughs> and uh, they're already no. coping with kind of equipment shortages back up on the home front. So it'll be interesting to see how many actually end up in Ukraine. Yeah, th that's what I thought, right? When when last you, last week when I listed all these items that we're sending to the Ukraine, I thought this is a complete, the entire arsenal of of, of the of the Royal Dutch yeah. uh, Army. I mean, it's uh, we can't. Uh, I don't think exactly. we have that much just to, there, to, to give away. Left if, 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 if no. the Belgians decide to invade next month, you know, just gonna have to <laughs> hope they get hope they get the, the, the hope they get stuck on their own roads. <laughs> we would be defenseless, literally. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Defence Minister Kaiser Olonghan said it would take around a month to deliver the weapons and then several weeks more to train the operators. Uh, so again, yeah. it's uh, not quite clear when they're going to come into action. And that's uh, assuming that the transport trucks uh, don't lose their wheels like uh, they did the last time we sent uh, some uh, some ammunition to uh, to Ukraine. Yeah. Um, or um, uh, the transport helicopters fail uh, as they did uh, with the uh, evacuation of uh, Dutch nationals in Kabul. Mm. Um, yeah, we uh, we have a lot of uh, trouble uh, with the uh, with in the Dutch the army. The whole military set, set up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and meanwhile, the we, Ukrainian we, we, we should really get the Ukrainians over here to train us how to fly <laughs> helicopters. 
Yeah, or 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 or, or teach our uh, our military to drive uh, tractors. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, the Ukrainian refugees are already having an effect on the Dutch population, right? Yes, according to the statistics agency CBS, uh, there are about twenty-five thousand Ukrainians uh, have arrived in the Netherlands since the well, since the war started, basically, or in the first three months of twenty twenty-two, and that accounts for around half the total population growth uh, for that three-month period. Um, because uh, uh, deaths actually outnumbered births, so there hasn't been any, yeah, if you like, natural population growth. Um, births and deaths are both down on last year, uh, which is kind of good that there are fewer deaths uh, this year compared to last year when we were in the pandemic. Also, but even when you discount the Ukrainians, um, almost twice as many people migrated to the Netherlands than left. There were 62,000 uh, other immigrants and 35,000 immigrants. And uh, are we any closer to turning off the uh, Russian gas supplies everyone is uh, talking about? Well, uh, <clears throat> um, well, uh, Energy Minister Rob Yetten, who must uh, feel like the most be the most uh, smug person in the Netherlands at the moment, he's probably going around <laughs> the Netherlands, going around the country in an electric car, shouting, uh, "I told you so." Uh, he's, no, he's no, 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 no. He doesn't have an electric car. Oh, um, doesn't he? All the ministers, yeah, <laughs> the 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 chauffeured cars of the ministers will uh, remain. Uh, diesel cars until at least 2026 oh okay there was a, a small small uphef about that uh, because you know that. yeah people said yeah we we, uh, we we don't we need our politicians to 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 set an example uh, if we want to you know make this transition but the, the problem is that uh, electric cars um you know they have a very limited range and yeah. uh, that's uh, that that uh, it's just a safety issue so uh, yeah. uh, for for quite some time it's not an option yet yeah. um Sorry for this intermezzo. Moving on to serious problems. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, Robbie in anyway has uh, set a deadline of the end of the year to end reliance on Russian gas imports. So hmm. I'm kind of curious, you know, I think about a month ago, um, all, all of Europe's politicians were warning that we couldn't just cut off the Russian gas supply. It would take years and years and years uh, yeah. to, you know, to, to wean ourselves off our structural reliance on Russian gas. And then years and years and years turns out to mean kind of uh, November, basically. Uh, y- yeah, well, yeah. If something is, is is becoming more and more urgent, then, you know, uh, all of a sudden a lot of possibilities open up. We've seen the same thing with, for example, um, um, uh, the, the the vaccine of, of, of COVID, right? Uh, yeah. we, we initially assumed, yeah, this is going to be going to take years and years and years to develop a reliable vaccine because, you know, uh, that's what the experience was. But, you know, we have a global pandemic. There is a enormous urge and enormous need for, for, for something. And then all of a sudden it can be done. Yeah, suddenly suddenly innovation comes to the fore. But uh, yeah, around about 15% of uh, energy consumed in the Netherlands at the moment uh, comes from Russia. So it's going to be quite a task to replace that. But Yetin says it can be done through better energy efficiency and imports from other countries. Um, And he said last Friday, we we no longer want to put money into Russia's war chest. No, but we've been doing that for for two months now so yeah, yeah it's uh, stocking up the, the war chest quite nicely um the netherlands also wants to increase its storage capacity in rotterdam Eemshaven and bergen but mining minister hans feilbrief has once again ruled out uh, reopening the chronia gas field hmm. even though people in chronia now increasingly are uh, are willing to consider uh, 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 pumping out more gas over the short term to cover the shortage from russian imports yeah um and you know, only 15% of our gas comes from uh, Russia. Um, Germany had a much larger share of Russian gas, but they um, 
had decided to to cut off uh, Russian gas altogether, right? They had cut a deal with Qatar, I believe. Yeah, by the end um, of the year, and they've also, I think, has uh, opened up a new. They, they struck a deal with Poland as well, which is hmm. uh, which is for oil. So they yeah. say they, they they can now completely bypass uh, Russian oil, and uh, the, 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 that's brought the um, yeah, the the the. the, the uh, uh, European oil embargo on Russia um, it's, uh, to the fore is a more kind of viable thing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and something uh, completely different. There were also there's also some alarming signals from the intelligence uh, agency IFID Day, right? Yeah, this is to do with the, the way that uh, the war in Ukraine apparently is fueling uh, far right sentiment and extremism uh, in the Netherlands and other European countries. And uh, the head of the IFID, Akabom, said this week uh, there was a real increased risk of terrorism and uh, what's called ex- uh, is it ex- accelerationism, which is kind of a, mm. a form of right wing terrorism often spread online that glorifies violence and appeals particularly to kind of vulnerable boys and young men sitting at home at their laptops and uh, you know, absorbing all this stuff on YouTube and, and then becoming radicalized. And uh, yeah, Akabom said that the, the pro-Russian narrative has now been kind of adopted by the groups that uh, were already radicalized by the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. So the WAPIs have now basically all switched over to becoming backers of, uh, of Vladimir Putin in the war yeah. in Ukraine in a move that's, uh, I guess, not entirely surprising. We've seen this on you know some of the high-profile um, uh, and, 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 and anti-vaccine uh, campaigners like Willem Engel have now become kind of enthusiastic supporters of Putin and saying that Ukraine is not a real country and that uh, Putin is, I think, uh, but uh, Thierry Baudet the other week uh, said that uh, Putin had been like a paragon of mildness and he just, uh, he'd, yeah. He'd, yeah, he'd been very restrained and he'd, he'd only massacred uh, yeah, a couple of million people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, um, it's very worrying indeed, and uh, yeah, you you. Um, in a corona pandemic, you, if you just look at some reactions on the internet, for example, it's very worrying and you very often see that uh, people are talking in a very aggressive way and, uh, you know, calling on violence, for example. Um, and it's uh, yeah, very worrying to see that these people just yeah, immediately switched from, you know, talking about corona in terms of violence and aggression to this, uh, this topic. And... Um, y- y- uh, as I always thought, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people have radicalized in the Corona uh, pandemic, but how do you get them back, right? If you yeah. uh, have they crossed the line for good, or can we just uh, get them back? Yeah, it's it seems that even with with something as clear as this, right, uh, uh, that there are war crimes committed to uh, millions of people in Ukraine. Uh, if something uh, should be as clear as possible, it, it, it is that. And yeah, people still decide to take the side of, of the aggressor in this conflict. And yeah, it's um, very worrying. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of uh, fake news out there and disinformation. It's all wrapped up as kind of, you know, anti-establishment, anti-government sentiment. So people who are dissatisfied yeah. with the government, who are unhappy with the lockdown, which did have real consequences for people, um, they're, they're upset by the fact that, you know, the, 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 that um, the, the, that they can't go to concerts, they can't go to football matches uh, because of coronavirus. That then kind of translates into sort of general anti-coronavirus sentiment, which again makes them, you know, um, lose their trust in the government, and then they become very vulnerable to people who um, who spew out this kind of uh, this kind of stuff. And then yeah. it's, it's a kind of tribalism, really, isn't it? You kind of join, you decide to join the anti-government side, and then when the anti-government side shifts towards uh, supporting Vladimir more, more, more Putin, so. 
when the anti-government side, the anti-establishment side drifts towards uh, supporting Vladimir Putin, you you kind of get caught up in that drift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you feel and like you have seen, to yeah take over that uh, th- that that uh, opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's very worrying. But uh, yeah, at least the IFD is um, uh, is uh, is paying attention to it and uh, keeping an eye on it. Even though they did admit that uh, yeah, it's taking a lot of time and a lot of work, and they don't have really have the manpower to uh, you know uh, uh, do the job as good as they want to. Yeah. Um, which is also, uh, yeah, in itself a worrying thing, of course. Yeah, um, because there, there was kind of, and there's always this tension going on, you know, but because we do live in a, a, thankfully, in a free and open society, in a democracy, that you always have this tension between defending yeah, it depends on who you ask, Gordon. Or, well, it depends on who you ask, indeed, but you know, there was this tension <laughs> between def- defending, yeah, freedom of speech and freedom of opinion, but often people, yeah, th- these kind of bad actors will deliberately, you know, b- b- uh, subvert the whole concept of freedom of speech to defend just outright violence effectively yeah. so that you know that you know that the, 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 i'll start off saying we're just asking questions about the coronavirus pandemic and then the next thing you know somebody is actually going along to secret house house with a blazing torch yeah. somewhere along the, along that route uh, the, a line is going to be being crossed between freedom of speech and uh, and, and promoting violence but where yeah. you actually pinpoint pinpoint the point where you cross that line is is very difficult so how on the one hand you defend people's freedoms but also protect people's security is um yeah is is a real headcracker yeah it's a real balance act yeah for the first time in eight years, investors bought fewer homes than the year before, according to new figures by the Dutch Land Registry uh, or Het Kadaster, as uh, yeah, the more famous name is, I think. If you ever watched yeah. one of the Rijden de Rechter episodes, then you're very familiar with this institution. The numbers of transactions in 2021 fell from 88,000 in 2020 to 51,000, uh, and that was uh, due to the property transfer tax that was raised to 1% for investors. This also led were rushed by investors to buy property, which made the figure in 2020 exceptionally high. But the sharp drop in 2021 shows the measure is working as intended. The reform was designed to give first-time buyers a better chance of finding a house within their price range. Uh, for under 35s, the, uh, the property transfer tax was dropped if they bought a home for themselves. This doesn't mean first-time buyers have an easy time on the housing market right now. Uh, house prices remain exceptionally high, but new figures this week also show that the growth is slowing down. Prices in March for existing buildings were up uh, 19.5% compared to last year, but in January this number was 21% and 20.2% in February. House prices reached a low in June 2030 at the height of the financial crisis, but have been increasing steadily since to 94% more than nine years ago. I mean, it's just a staggering, staggering percentage. It is ludicrous, certainly. They've almost doubled in, in, in a decade. It's crazy. Yeah, we had the kind of the house price crash or the house price dip, which was about 10 years ago from 2008, but then they just surged on from that point. So, yeah, and it's, they've dropped the tax for under 35s, but it's still, how on earth can you find a, a house, especially in a major city, that's, uh, that's actually affordable when you, when yeah. you see the, the amount that people are paying for them? Yeah, it's almost impossible, but yeah, these two developments i mean it's it's too early to hang out the flag especially with an orange attachment but yes. uh, it, it is a first sign that things are moving in the right directions and yeah we still have to wait and see uh, if this uh, development uh, continues but uh, you know it is a good sign at least 
House prices, gas bills, and the cost of heavy artillery are all going up, but one thing we'll never raise is the cost of sponsoring the Dutch News podcast on Patreon. You can still become a valued supporter for as little as a euro or a dollar a month, and in return we'll give you a shout-out, our eternal gratitude, and uh, the chance to ask us a question. But no uh, howitzers, uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we've run right out of howitzers, yeah. yeah. yeah we, we sold them all in the fire marked, <laughs> the, the last ones that have been in my attic for the last three years. <laughs> As ever, we are deeply grateful to all our generous patrons for funding our musings and mutterings and help us to help you make a bit more sense of what's going on in the Netherlands. This week, we have a question from Enrique Gutierrez. It's, uh, I really like this question, actually. Gotta say, it's, yeah, uh, I do too. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a very nostalgia-tinted question. He asks, why is NOS Teletext still such a big thing in the Netherlands? And he says, I've seen older people in my job who use it, but I never thought it would be so culturally relevant. And points out that even the app on the Play Store has more than a million downloads. So why is this phenomenon still culturally significant um, when it's several decades old? Yeah, I never realized that this was a typically Dutch thing. Um, but Gordon, you said, I think a decade ago, the BBC stopped uh, their teletext service. Yeah, I looked it up. Yeah, it was 2012, so exactly a decade ago that uh, the BBC switched off its uh, CFAX service, it was called. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. so Teletext is, is the Dutch name of, yeah. of this okay technology. Yeah, it is It is indeed very popular. Um, over a million downloads in the App Store. I uh, saw a recent article that 11 million Dutch people use Teletext on a regular basis. And if you add the, the app to that as well, that is 81% of the over 15s that use Teletext on a regular basis, which is an enormous number, I think. I never thought it was that high. I personally don't use it that often. I think I sometimes turn it on, for example, for, for, for subtitles or uh, something else, but I don't use it as a news source. But my, my theory is that the cultural significance of Teletext comes from uh, the Dutch identity. Um, we don't want to spend a lot of money and we uh, appreciate directness. And what is Teletext? If you, you know, open news on that, uh, on that app or on that um, uh, television service, what do you have? You have a news article with 100 words maximum, I believe, is the maximum. So it's very direct. And it also doesn't cost you anything because, you know, it, you don't have pictures in that app, for example. It's mm. just plain text, basically. So, yeah, yeah it, is, it doesn't cost you any data and it is very direct. You immediately know what's going on. So, yeah, that's, that's my theory. That's why people like it, I think. It's, it's basically the embodiment of Dutch culture. And I never used Teletext, so I downloaded the app and I just uh, I was browsing through it. And I was kind of surprised by a lot of... A lot of the pages that are available there, for example, page 711 gives mm -hmm. you the, the current state of air quality in the Netherlands right. uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, fine stuff. What's, what's that? Uh, yeah, for fine particles, I think. Fine so, particles, yeah. it's it's okay, but um, ozone and uh, nitrogen oxide, uh, it is um, matter, so could be yeah. better. Yeah, I think you're kind of hitting it on the head to think well, one thing that appeals uh, not just to readers but also I think just to the NOS is that it's cheap it's a really cheap thing to run Yeah, and also also of course certainly early in the morning in between programs they just stick up pages from teletext on the screen so that saves them actually having to buy or broadcast uh, other programs you know b b before, the, before the early morning news comes on 
so it's, it's just a kind of cheap fix I think and like you say it's, it's very direct but I think it's going to become you know, the, the BBC switched it off t- 10 years ago and that was uh, I think they um, you know, developed it originally the, 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 the CFAX service which is uh, called Teletext in most other countries um, and then they, they they replaced it with a digital service but that was kind of more mm. technically complicated and challenging they wanted to switch that off as well a couple of years ago but there was a protest because people who, uh, who are hard of hearing or have limited uh, visibility or whatever um, they, 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 they actually rely on teletext and subtitling to be able to watch television so they've had to keep it on yeah but uh, yeah i think nos just uh, went for the cheap and convenient option of just keeping teletext running and i think it's going to become one of these things where originally it was uh, used all over the world and then basically everyone switches it off apart from the dutch and at that point the dutch the, the, the people in the netherlands developed the idea that it's a uh, it's a kind of uh, ingrained dutch tradition in the same way as uh, blackface makeup really <laughs> what a comparison yeah <laughs> no and, and before we started recording we had a little discussion about the sheer amount of talk shows that we have in the yeah. netherlands uh, the talk show density in this country is enormously high and i found out when i was browsing teletext that someone has it in its job description to give a summary of the talk shows that were the day before so yeah you can <laughs> you can go to teletext page 229 and uh, yeah you can you can read a summary of what has been discussed in in all the <laughs> talk show so yeah it's that, um that sounds like a sisyphean task it really does <laughs> it really is i think yeah, i have to watch every dutch talk show and then write a summary of it That's, yeah uh, we don't um... have capital punishment anymore in this country <laughs> but i think this this job is uh, it comes yeah. close to it yeah, yeah. If you'd like to become a sponsor of the Dutch News Podcast and uh, ask us all your cultural questions, log on to www.patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, slash dutchnewsnl. Yeah, really, really fun question. It was. So thank you, Enrique. Coronavirus news now, uh, because whatever you might have heard, and even though King's Day is upon us again, uh, the virus hasn't actually gone away. And the government was warned this week that unless it steps up its preparations for the next wave, the virus could overwhelm the healthcare system again in the autumn. Labour's new leader and healthcare spokeswoman, Atje Kauken, said MPs were still waiting to hear Health Minister Ernst Kauper's detailed long-term strategy for tackling the virus. Uh, This is the long-term strategy that Kauper's promised when he became Health Minister back in January. Armand uh, Hibus, the head of intensive care at Amsterdam's UMC Teaching Hospital, said nothing was being done to concentrate COVID care um, in a smaller number of hospitals uh, to make the treatment more efficient. Uh, he also warned that uh, there's likely to be two to 300 uh, people in intensive care this autumn with COVID um, if, uh, as is kind of expected, it, it becomes an additional seasonal illness, uh, basically. Um, he says that we really need to make sure that we're not really doing anything to make sure we actually have enough hospital beds and facilities available for those people and um, health economist Sander Coleman said even simple cost effective measures like improving ventilation in schools were running aground because of disputes about funding he said the schools say they're not getting enough money the government says it's up to the schools to find it and if events hmm. go against us we could find ourselves in another lockdown by Christmas this year I wouldn't mind not going to uh, who met Stelliches on the table, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of people uh, do enjoy them. So uh, yeah, mm. it's uh, probably something we uh, we want to avoid, right? The uh, Christmas lockdown in general, yeah. Yeah, but luckily there's no uh, there are no new variants or anything like that to worry about. <laughs> well, the RFM did say this week that it had detected a new variant of coronavirus in the Netherlands. The um, Dutch variant. <laughs> we still don't have a Dutch variant, uh, unfortunately. No. It's not. Oh. <laughs> yes, I can't remember where it was first detected, but this one's been designated BA5. Um, mm. Good news is there's 
so far been no indication that it is more infectious or more severe than the uh, current dominant uh, Omicron strain. And in fact, virologist Menard Young, who was a member of the uh, outbreak management team until it was disbanded recently, said it was it's unlikely a more severe version of the virus when Omicron will emerge. But if we do have a new variant that uh, you know, we don't really have any immunity against from vaccination or infection, then that could still you know, lead to a rise in infections and all the problems that brings. Yeah, indeed. Um, so speaking of the infections, what is the latest on that? Yeah, because uh, no one's really counting anymore. In fact, no. <laughs> literally we're not counting because uh, you know, th- there's no mass testing. So we don't really, really know how many people are infected with the virus in the country. It's just a big, uh, big guessing game. But uh, the, the, when you look at the hospital numbers, which is the one thing uh, that you can still monitor, uh, th- it's looking a lot better. The number of patients in hospital uh, dropped below 1,000 this week for the first time since the end of January. So that's kind of a milestone. And uh, there's 66 COVID patients in intensive care. And that's the lowest number we've seen since September 2020. That was before, right before the second wave. That was before the, um, the alpha wave, what we're not allowed to call the British variant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, and also, I believe they're monitoring sewage water and stuff like they that. They are monitoring uh, that, yes. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, we, we, you can watch hospital numbers, but you know, it, it takes sort of two or three weeks for a rise in infections to start showing up in hospitals. So at the point when yeah. we see hospital numbers picking up, we'll know that we're already three weeks into a new wave. And we've done nothing about it, so... Exactly. Dozens of flights to and from Schiphol Airport were cancelled on Saturday morning because of a wildcat strike by KLM ground crew. The strike on one of the busiest days of the year led to long queues which reached outside the main terminal building. The airport expected to process around 500,000 people uh, at the start of the May school holidays and the A4 motorway exits to the airport were also closed for a time as a safety measure. The strike ended in the early afternoon but the airport authority still urged passengers with a flight before 3pm not to come to the airport. Uh, the problems were caused by the refusal of ground crew to load and unload planes from 6 a.m. on Saturday morning, which had a knock-on effect uh, across the airport. Some planes may also have left without baggage on board. The baggage handlers are furious because KLM is planning to outsource some of their work to another company, which they say could threaten their jobs. KLM's subsidiary Transavia has already moved to Vigo, which they say uh, provides a cheaper service. And the horror's not over yet. No, because uh, Schiphol says it is still uh, exceptionally busy at the airport, mainly because they're suffering from a shortage of staff, and that results in long queues at the airport still. And a backlog uh, of baggage uh, from the strike on Saturday also adds to the problems. And on Wednesday, thousands of pieces of luggage were still waiting to be processed. Uh, The airport has requested airlines to stop accepting more bookings until May 8th, and even asked them to cancel uh, some of their flights. Um, It's very annoying, but it's necessary to reduce reduce the number of departing passengers to bring operations back on track and avoid a repeat of last weekend, a spokesperson of the airport said. Schiphol advises passengers to contact their airline for questions about their flight. KLM expects several flights to be cancelled this weekend, but holiday airlines TUI and Transavia said they plan to fly everything as scheduled. Uh, they do warn to come to the airport well in advance though, so if you're planning to uh, to fly, if you have a, a, a ticket, uh, just come as uh, uh, early as possible. 
possible because yeah, uh, long queues are expected and uh, and don't expect to arrive with your luggage as well. <laughs> bring a lot of hand baggage. Yeah, bring a lot of hand baggage, probably a sleeping bag and, a, and an inflatable <laughs> mattress as well. Um, and exactly. yeah, to yeah, in all seriousness, check the Skipple app before you set off, uh, check how long you're likely to have to queue and check with your airline as well to see if your flight hasn't been cancelled because they are no, quite seriously no. talking about cancelling flights to try and clear this backlog. Does all this mean that we're going to have to bow to the inevitable and uh, open Lelystad Airport? Is the horror going to intensify to that point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think we've been talking about uh, opening Lelystad Airport for so long, but you know, it's been delayed and delayed and delayed because of uh, questionable environmental impact studies uh, that were too favorable for the airport. We had, of course, the uh, the dreadful impact of the trampoline protests uh, yeah. <laughs> a couple of years ago, if you remember that. People uh, drawing sad smiley faces with their towels on their trampolines as a protest for the test flights there. Yeah, it's um, we probably need that airport if we, if we want to increase the capacity of flights to and from the Netherlands. But the question is, do we want that? I mean, can we just... Um, Schiphol probably not uh, too big for this country. We just need a Schiphol in the ocean, I think. We should uh, regain this VOC mentality and polder the North Sea and just build an airport there. Sports news. Um, And this week uh, we're going to focus on Max Verstappen because he has been awarded the prestigious Laureus Award. And what on earth is that? <laughs> it's the highly prestigious Sportsman of the Year title at the illustrious Larius World Sports Awards. I mean, <laughs> don't tell me you never heard of this. I, I attend every year. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's uh, been handed out every year since 2000. Nelson Mandela gave a speech at the inaugural ceremony, and it's the brainchild of former Austrian ski jumper Hubert Neuper. There. Another very well-known name across the world. <laughs> yeah, another household name in, in yeah. his own household. Um, <laughs> and because it's uh, for in- individual sports people, it tends to be dominated by athletes and tennis players. So Roger Federer has won it five times. Usain mm. Bolt has won it four times. But Verstappen is the first Dutch recipient. Um, okay. So well done to him. Uh, uh, Peter van den Hochemund was nominated uh, in 2001, but he didn't win uh, the swimmer. When he um, when he won the most golden medals uh, ever uh, in the Olympic Games, right? Uh, did he so for, for individual swimming events, races? Or yeah, in, in in one at one uh, at one at, games at one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, possibly. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, he's also won it once. So Verstappen has already uh, matched that achievement, uh, <laughs> even though he hasn't won seven world titles. Uh, in the, uh, in the, in the, the there are various categories, and there's also a comeback of the year category where Annemiek van Floten uh, was nominated. Uh, that was after she she won the gold medal in the um, time trial race in Tokyo after she yeah. uh, five years after she'd fallen um, uh, quite dramatically in the same event when she was on on a gold medal run. So yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. well quite, deserved. Uh, that yeah, prize, but she's only nominated. She didn't win the title. Would have been well deserved. Max Verstappen was very pleased, anyway, to win the title. Okay. Uh, Speaking of Verstappen, did he win any prizes for driving cars, which is his uh, uh, core business, right? It is, really. Yeah, that's his speciality, really. Um, And he did. In fact, he and his Red Bull team dominated the Italian Grand Prix uh, at Imola at the weekend. Uh, Verstappen won the race from pole position. His teammate Sergio Perez uh, finished second. And there was an added bonus because uh, his championship rival, Charles Leclerc, who's uh, leading the championship race, span off the track 10 laps from the end when he was running third uh, and he could only manage to salvage sixth place and uh, with Verstappen taking the fastest lap point he's now cut Leclerc's lead in the drivers championship from 46 points to 27 
Yeah, and they were also um, uh, they also had the uh, the new sprint race uh, format uh, with um, uh, more. Um, points to win than ever before so uh, uh, Max Verstappen won that as well yeah. and he also had the fastest lap so he also had the world record of the highest number of points in a single race weekend ever but yeah that was because right. he had that's because, because of this more points available than ever before yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it is yeah it d- did come in handy uh, because uh, uh, Charles Leclerc was uh, uh, well ahead of him in the world championship and uh, now this gap is uh, what you said only 27 instead 27. of Forty-six. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Well done. Yeah. So, l- looking good for Max. Um, and is there also any football news? Uh, a bit. Uh, we're, we're getting towards the uh, end of the Eredivisie season. Um, Ajax are kind of hobbling to the title. They're four points ahead of PSV. At the bottom, it's more exciting because there's five teams separated by four points and. Three, two, well, uh, two teams will go down, and then one team will be in the playoff uh, with uh, teams from the uh, Koken Kampioen Divisie to decide uh, who comes up or stays up. Uh, Fortuna Sittard, Pexvoller, and Invelum Tve all won at the weekend. Um, uh, the, those are three of those five teams at the bottom. Uh, Willem Tve's winning goal against Vitesse Arnhem was scored by the superbly named Jiz Hornkamp. <laughs> so <to> him. <laughs> there is again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just never, I'll just never stop finding uh, that name amusing. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Jiz. Uh, pick one, two nil away to Ekese Valveik. They are also now in the relegation dogfight. And bottom club Sparta, they will play out the season with a new trainer, Maurice Stein. And that's because Henk Fraser. He walked out early. He was due to leave at the end of the season for Utrecht, but then uh, Sparta decided to sack his assistant, Alexander Rankovic, and uh, Fraser left uh, in solidarity. Mm-hmm. So they now have the, the, the small matter of uh, a new trainer as they try to avoid uh, relegation with four games of the, of the season left. Um, and we've also had the Conference League, European football's equivalent of the Larius Awards, which is uh, <laughs> in which uh, Feyenoord are playing the semi-finals against Olympique Marseille, and they take a 3-2 lead into the second leg. Uh, quite an uh, exciting game on Thursday night. Cyril Dessers was gifted a goal 10 seconds into the second half. Literally, the Marseille kicked off, passed the ball back to the goalkeeper, and Dessers kind of slipped in and uh, put it in the back of the net. Um, and that turned out to be the decisive goal, and that was after Marseille had come back from 2-0 down in the first half. Yeah, I... Um... Uh, I saw that uh, Feyenoord was playing in the Conference League and um, as the asshole as I am, I uh, questioned, um, had some questions about uh, the Conference League because I said, isn't that the European equivalent of the Tweede Divisie? Um, because I think yeah. it's the third the third in ranking of, of the European um, leagues, it's right? It's the third competition, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. the third competition. So, yeah, that uh, annoyed a lot of final fans who were, of course, over <laughs> the moon and very happy with their, yeah, not so prestigious uh, win in the uh, yeah first the first game of the f- of the of the semi-final of the third uh, <laughs> the third uh, 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 championship um, yeah, yeah, on you, European you, you, level. you were spoiling you were spoiling their parade basically yeah you, I really yeah, was and yeah. I really enjoyed that <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the conference league is it if you if you're knocked out of the Champions League early you drop down to the Europa League now and if you're knocked out of the Europa League you drop into the conference league so there yeah. are teams in there that have already been knocked out of the competition they've been already been knocked out of Europe twice this season and they're still yeah. playing yeah so, exactly so like AS Roma I think started off as a Champions League team and uh, have lost twice yeah yeah at least they managed to 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 enter the the highest ranking uh 
uh, league here, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, at least they accomplished something uh, in their national league, I guess. No, um, well done, Feyenoord, and good luck to them in the uh, in the coming games in in, uh, Marseille. Yeah, Yeah. we managed to get through a whole episode of this podcast without mentioning Johan Dexen as well. I think we should actually put that at the front of the podcast, the front of the episode, to say this is a Johan Dexen free zone. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah, maybe next week we will have to discuss you on Dexter. But no, uh, we don't. We, yeah. we never have to discuss you on Dexter. Okay, yeah, he <laughs> will be. Uh, at, at least there is one less talk show on television um, uh, after this week's events, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah. That's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout-out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek. I will be back next week. Gordon won't. won't be. No. Uh, but we do have some uh, very special um, substitutes for Gordon. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, in fact, make a special effort to tune in because it'll be much better. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you weren't supposed to agree. <laughs>